If you would please take your Bible and turn to uh, John chapter 12. John chapter 12. Uh, it is a, an awesome responsibility to stand before you and bring the Word of God. Um, it is something that I take seriously and uh, something that has been faithful to this pulpit for many, many years. And, uh, and today we do no different than we have done for many, many Sundays past. We just open the Word of God and we seek to hear what God has said and what God is saying to His people. So, John chapter 12, we are about to conclude this chapter. Just a few verses we have left in chapter 12. Um, begin reading in verse 44. And Jesus cried out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me sees the one who sent me. I have come as light unto the world so that, so that everyone, everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. If anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, I do not judge him, for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He who rejects me and does not receive my sayings has one who judges him. The word I speak is the one is what will judge him at the last day. For I did not speak on my own initiative, for the Father himself who sent me has given me a commandment as to what to say and what to speak. I know that his commandment is eternal life. Therefore, the things I speak, I speak just as the Father has told me. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, we do ask your blessing upon this portion of our time together. Lord, I pray that you would illumine this word. Give us insight, Father, that that would feed our, our spiritual souls and would also translate into everyday life. It would translate into a, a life that honors and glorifies you. Lord, may this not just be information for our heads, but may it be, Lord, application to our heart. Help us, Lord, to take that responsibility of application seriously and, and apply it. Help us, Lord, not to be uh, hearers only, but doers of the Word. Lord, we recognize we are dealing with truth today. And the truth can either harden a heart, it can soften a heart. And I pray, Lord, that today would soften hearts in this room. Thank you, Lord, for the privilege of gathering together. Again, illumine your word. Father, give us grace. You know that I, I'm not worthy to stand before these people. Lord, I, I'm just, just here. Lord, I've, I've studied and I've prepared, but Lord, you have to speak and I... I pray that you would do so. May we hear from your word today. And we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, everyone knows if you are a believer, if you're a Christian, you've probably have been told that, that Christians, believers, represent Christ 
here on this earth. We are, we are called ambassadors in Scripture. An ambassador, you understand what that term means. We are called to be holy as our Heavenly Father is holy. We are given a ministry of reconciliation, of pulling God and man together in a peaceful relationship. We have that responsibility. We have a responsibility to represent God here on this earth. If you are a believer, that's what, that's just what we do. That's our role. That's the purpose that God has us here. Now, it's a simple idea, this idea of a, a representative. Maybe you were in, uh, in school and uh, you had to represent your class in the, in the school spelling bee. Or maybe you had to, you were the president of the class uh, at some point in time in your educational career and you had to represent the class in certain activities. Um, in uh, West Virginia, we will send a representative of West Virginia to the Miss America contest. We will send representatives from the United States to the, the, the Olympics, the Olympic Games. We, um, we understand this idea of representative. If you get a letter saying that you're going to get a visit from a representative of the IRS... You understand what that means. You understand the gravity of what that means. It's sobering. It's not the whole United States government going to come to visit your house, but it will sure seem like it. It'll just be one person, one representative, and he's going to want to see everything. We understand that idea of representative. We go, uh, you may have walked by or, or seen the uh, army recruiters, um, and you'll, you'll, you'll see them, and they're representing either the, the army, the Air Force, Navy, the Marines, whatever, and, and you can see they're, they're dressed, and uh, they, they fully represent their branch of the military, and they're sharp. You could see the, the representing uh, of the, uh, their branch of the military very well by the way they dress, by the way they talk, by their character. And they're either representing well or not so well. You understand that concept. Maybe you've been a representative of some kind. We send representatives from uh, Raleigh County to... We send them to uh, Charleston and they, and they vote for us. They make laws for us. They represent us. So you understand that process. You understand what it means to be a representative. Now here's what I fear. I fear sometimes that we as believers, we just kind of hold back. We kind of sit back and, and wait for God to tell us what to do. I think it's somewhat of the, the charismatic influence and we just kind of sit back, well, what does God want me to do? And we wait for God to speak when He has already spoken. That you already are a representative of Him. And He has spoken. You are those things. He has taken His enemies and turned them into His employees. You now work for Him. You are, you are employed by the God of the universe. You are His ambassador. You are His representative. Now that's a pretty sobering thought. At least it is to me. <clears throat> we as 
We as Christians, we, we simply just follow Christ. I mean, that's what we signed up to do. I just want to be like Christ. But in doing so, it's a total commitment. And there's no serving two masters. You serve one master. And no one is left out. There's no second class citizens. There's no graduation to the, to the representative stage. We all represent Christ. Again, it's a sobering thought. And what I want us to just focus on today is this idea of Christians have a responsibility to represent Christ on this earth in the fullest measure. In the fullest measure. Now, when we hear that, when we hear the idea that we are representatives of God, we just think, how in the world can we do that? Now, Christ came down and He represented God. He was here on this earth. But we look at Him and we just say, well, He was perfect. He was already God. It was easy for Him to represent God, even though He set aside His glory and came to earth, submitted Himself to the Father, and was just obedient to the Father. He was still the perfect representation of God. Now, that's a high, that's a high standard to reach. We have our limitations, don't we? We are, we are not, uh, we're not perfect like He was perfect. We are, we're flawed individuals. We, uh, we're flawed in our, our thinking and our actions and our attitudes and our feelings and almost every way is, is tainted just a little bit that's just not quite right. But also, in, in, uh, on top of that, we live in a world that is corrupt. And it's just so easy for us to flow back into the, the course of this world. And so we just, we're going to have a hard time. It's going to be harder for us maybe than Christ, as sometimes we think. And the question we would ask then is, how can we as sinful people possibly represent a holy and infinite God in this corrupt earth? How can we do that? We're flawed it's, we, we may look at it and say, well, it's just impossible, and we just plain give up. I mean, that's just, frankly, that's just, I think that's the attitude that we have most of the time. We just plain give up. We can't do it. it it's too high for us. We're just human, and so we just, we just kind of give up. And I don't think that's an option. I just, I don't think that's an option. For a true believer, his heart is going to be drawn to continue to follow in Christ and to continue representing God in the best way possible. Now, in the context here, as our, our passage here, in chapter 12, it's concluding Jesus' uh, public ministry. He's bringing this public ministry of Jesus to a close. Now, John is the author here, and he's writing these things. And Israel has, has rejected their Messiah. And he is giving us, in this passage, he's giving us the reason why Israel has rejected their Messiah. Now, he started, this is kind of a, uh, a theme that goes throughout. But he started, uh, he started from the very beginning. He says, um, he came into his own, but his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them gave he the power to become sons of God. It was all in God's plan, and that's his point. This was in God's plan. Now, it's hard for us to understand that, that man is completely, 100% fully responsible for his actions, but yet God is in full control. And that's just, that's what we see. 
It's a perfect balance here of what's what's going on. Israel. Israel rejected the light of Christ. They saw day in, day out, these uh, miracles that he performed. But they would turn their back or explain them away. And, uh, and he would shine the light of the gospel. And they would just even run from the light. And they were pursuing their own blindness. And at some point, Christ said, okay, you want to continue to pursue your blindness. I will judiciously, God says, I will judiciously just harden your heart to the point that you will not see. You you would not see in the past. You would not listen to the prophets. You would not listen to my word. You would not listen to my invitations. And so now you now that's it. The light is going to be taken away from you and you will be blind and you cannot see now. And that's very sobering. And John has just explained that, that it's not just man being responsible for and Christ is some victim. No, this is uh, this is orchestrated by God. And it's might be hard for us to understand very lofty, very heavy thoughts. And we looked at that last week. But here's what does not happen. Christ Himself never gives up. He does not give up on an invitation to Israel. And He continues to appeal to Israel. And I think that's what we see here in this passage. It's just an appeal to Israel. An invitation to Israel. Don't forsake your Messiah. Don't reject your Messiah. So even though God is in control and God is orchestrating something else, Jesus is genuinely pursuing Israel saying... Don't reject me. And that's kind of, that's what we see. And in fact, in summary fashion, John is just kind of summing up. This is one last paragraph before he turns all of his attention, Jesus' attention to uh, the disciples. He's just kind of concluding his public ministry. And in doing so, he, he, he incorporates, he weaves these uh, these major themes that are in his book, he just weaves them into this one paragraph. And it's kind of a concluding paragraph. And it's a, an appropriate ending of Jesus' ministry is an invitation, is an appeal to Israel. He never gave up on Israel. But he was completely dependent upon God, his Father. And so John kind of explains that. So what we have here in verses 44 to, to 50 is an invitation and you can divide the passage into two uh, two sections. Uh, he starts out by uh, uh, an appeal to uh, don't reject me. But if you do reject me, here's what's going to happen. So there's two elements to this invitation here. And we'll just look at those quite uh, quickly because I want you to see some other things that are in this passage. Um, Christ, Christ proclaims the consequences of believing in Him and the consequences of rejecting Him. And you see that in verse 44 and 45 and 46, the believing in Him, here's what you gain. If you believe in Him, you receive the Father as well. You receive light. You receive salvation. If you believe in Me, He says, believe in Me, you'll see the Father. You see Me, you see the Father. I've come that you may have light so that you won't walk in darkness. So you're, you're going to gain light. And salvation is part of that. The light of the gospel. So you see that appeal. But if you reject, if you reject, verse 47, if anyone hears my sayings and does not keep them, that's rejecting his sayings, that's rejecting his word, 
says, I do not judge him, for I do not come to judge the world, but to save the world. He comes at this point as a savior for the world. At some point later, another time, he's going to come and judge the world. But the final thought is judgment. If you reject me, you will be judged. And it's going to be my word that that judges you. The very word that you reject is going to be the very word that judges you. Now, that's that's the idea. That's the flow of this passage. It's a very simple thing. Very simple passage. Very straightforward. Uh, you receive Christ. You receive the Father as well. You receive the light. And you receive the light of the gospel. You receive salvation. You reject that and there's just judgment. Now, you can follow that. You can see that passage. But I think there's one other thing that you need to see here in the flow of this passage. We see that Christ is, is relinquishing His responsibility here. Relinquishing His responsibility. And that He is just a, simply a representative of God. He's putting it on their back. He's putting the monkey on their back. The responsibility upon them. Look, you, this, is, uh, this is the, I'm just representing the Father here. But you see that that is actually where His authority comes from. Now, He could stand up as God and just proclaim His Godness and uh, enforce them. And you could see His authority. But I think that He wants us to seize not His so much His authority, but His dependence upon His Heavenly Father. I, I think you see that. I think you see that in this passage. And he's pulling back. And he's offering this invitation and saying, it's not just me you're rejecting, it's God. Because I'm his representative. And it becomes serious then. And his authority came as not as, as God in his godness, although he was God. He has set, he has set aside that glory, though. And he was just completely dependent upon the Father. And all of his authority came as a representative. And listen, here's the key. You have that same responsibility as a representative here on this earth. You have that. And I think Christ is, is giving us a way... He's showing us, he's, an, he's our example of how to be a representative for God. Even though, even though we can't be like God. Even though there's a, a huge gap between us and God. Christ is just showing us how, how we can do that. And there's three elements to that, and we'll just move through them quickly. And number one, let's look at verse 44. And Jesus cries out and said, He who believes in me does not believe in me, but in him who sent me. He who sees me, physically sees me, sees the one who sent me. Again, he's, he's just pointing the mirror to God. Look, it's not me, it's God. You're looking at, not at me, you're looking at God. Now, when Jesus says that, he can get away with it. When I say that, I, when I say, oh, look at me, and you're looking at God, you're thinking, oh, yeah, right. It's not so, not so clear. It's not so clear. Jesus was claiming His deity. He was, he was pointing out His deity. But again, at the same time, in a very humble way, in fact, He always does that through, through the Gospel. We want Him to just stand up and just proclaim His Godness and let Him have it, man. 
But he does so. Every time he proclaims his, his deity, it's always in some subtle way, some easy way that just points to the Father. Look, it's him. It's him. It's him. It's about God. It's about God. But what you have to notice is that he is one in essence with God. He is one in essence with the Father. In fact, they're completely alike. They're identical. You see Christ, you see God. And also, you accept His truth, you accept God's truth. You reject Christ, and you reject God. It is impossible. It's impossible to believe in the Father without believing in the Son. They're so aligned. They're so closely tied. We serve one God. Serve one God. If you believe in Jesus Christ, you have the privilege and the responsibility or the privilege of a relationship with the Father. And that's that's a beautiful thing. He's the one that can reconcile people to God, bring God and man together. And I, I look at that and I say, I say, I can't do that. I can't just say, look at me and you're seeing God. <laughs> Turn over to this, this verse. It's just a wonderful verse. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. 2 Corinthians chapter 4. I think Paul recognized this. And here's what he just says. He says, chapter 4, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. He says, for God who said, light shall shine out of darkness in the one um, is the one who's shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Christ. Man, that's a beautiful picture. You see Christ, you see God. Now look at this. But we, that's believers, that's you. If you pro- proclaim Christ, that is, that is you. But we have this treasure, what treasure? This, um, this privilege of reflecting God, this this light, we have this treasure. It's a treasure. We have this treasure in what? Earthen vessels. <laughs> I love that term because that really that describes me. I'm just uh, I'm just an earthen vessel. I'm not made of silver. I'm not made of gold. Man, I wish I wish God would have just done this with the angels. You know. And just the angels went about and they just proclaimed God. They could have done it perfectly. They would have represented God in all His splendor in a much better way than than me. We are earthen vessels. And so I cry out, Lord, how? How in the world can me, limited, uh, corrupt me, glorify you? How can I do that? Now, listen. But we have received this treasure in earthen vessels. That's just our bodies. And he gets into that a little bit later. So that the surpassing greatness of the power will be of God. There's a purpose that God has used you, mankind, sinful people, as opposed to the angels. Why? Because other people can see the power of God at work in our life. There's a purpose so, so when we go out to evangelize, we don't go out as, man, I'm going to win the world to Christ today, you know, and I just go out and just all cocky and everything. No, I go out humbly as a vessel of clay, and God then uses that. He, he comes alongside, and, he, and I just proclaim His Word, and He just says, look at this. 
Look at my power. It's not from this goofball here. It's because of me. And his power is just radiant even more. It says the power will be of God and not from ourselves. And then Paul goes into his, even though we're, we're uh, crushed and uh, perplexed and, you know, all of these things. But look at, look at verse 11. For we will, we who live are constantly being delivered over to, to death to the death of Christ, death for Christ's sake, so that the life of Christ may be manifested in our mortal flesh. Listen, even if it comes to the point that we just die, you know what? Christ is seen in that. I think God wants to use just sinful people. Just us. Just us. Because he wants his power to be seen. And I look and I just say, man, I, I, I can't do that. I can't go out and witness. I can't talk to other people about the Lord. The hardest thing is to bring up Christ into a conversation. This is hard. You know? But even, even in our weakness, we see God's strength. Even when we are weak and we can't do it, when we recognize it, then God has us right where He wants us. Then He can use us with His power. So we really can't do it, but it is really God who is at work in us. We are simply earthen vessels. God wants us in our limited selves as opposed to the angels so that He can demonstrate so how do we do that? Just on a very practical level. Let's just think about this just quickly. You're, go back to John, John chapter 12. And I remember what Jesus said. He just said this to the, to the Pharisees in verse 43. John chapter 12, verse 43 says, For they love the approval of man rather than the approval of God. Here's, I think, the biggest thing for us. The first step for us is just identifying ourselves with God. And I think this is where the fear comes. I think this is the first step. They, they love the approval of man rather than the approval of God. Put it in reverse. Now, that's the positive way to say it. The, the reverse is they feared man more than they feared God. <laughs> they feared man more than they feared God. In fact, I think that, that, that can sum up a lot of our problems. We fear man. The first step is we have to identify with Christ uh, or with God, just like Christ did. He just pointed that out, that he was, he was essence, in essence with Christ. Now, can we be God? Can we be uh, an omniscient God? No, we won't be that way. But we can as closely as possible align ourselves with God. That's the first step. That's it. That's the first step. We stop being afraid of man, start being afraid of God. Actually, we, we take a stand for God. Uh, there's another verse in, in uh, Mark. Mark chapter 8. Christ just laid it very clearly to the disciples. Mark chapter 8 verse 38. He says, uh, he says this. For whoever is ashamed of me and my word in this um, adulterous and sinful generation, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him. When he comes into glory. So we stop being ashamed. We take a stand for Christ. We fear God more than man. Luke puts it like this. Luke chapter 10, 
He said this. Um, Christ again speaking. He said, you have, um, you have answered correctly. That is not the right passage. But you know the passage. You know the passage. Because he says, he says, fear him who can kill the soul and the body. Don't fear him who could just kill the body. That's man. So we don't fear man. We take a stand for God. We are not ashamed of God and His Word. We, uh, we fear God more than man. We take that stand. And now, it's not that we just live our lives in constant fear of God, that He's going to whack us. But no, we know this God We get to know this God and that fear, that healthy respect even grows further. But it turns into a love for God more than anything else. And that's what drives us. It's a love, um, loving of God with all our heart, soul, mind and strength. And that's our motivation. And then then the next step is we begin to identify ourselves with the local church. We identify ourselves with Christ's body. And we take that stand and we, we call that baptism. And I would encourage you, if you have not identified yourself with a local body of believers, you need to do that. Baptism. That's just a, a symbol of your, your identifying yourself with, with Christ and His church. And then you begin to take on His character. You begin to look like Him. And how do you do that? You just take His Word. You just, you just read His Word and consume His Word and you begin to, you begin to take on and you, you are able to represent God and His character. And people will say, man, He's a godly person. He's a godly person. And we realize then we've given up self. We've given up self completely. And we, we just know Him. He is our focus. And that was Christ. He was the perfect example. His whole life was just wrapped up in His whole identity was wrapped up in God. That was it. Very simple. But that's it. He identified with His Father. The next thing. Just quickly. Look at verse 46. 46. I have come as light into the world. Now just from verse 45 He said... The one who sent me. So God sent him in this world to be light into the world so that everyone. Now this is in contrast to just to the Jews only. But for everyone, every tribe, every tongue, every nation. Out of that group, every believer, everyone who believes in me will not remain in darkness. Listen, this world is a dark place. We come in or Christ comes in and and sheds the light on it. That's our responsibility. So what we do is we identify ourselves with Christ. We unite ourselves with Christ. We say we are, we are God's. We are in God's family. And so then we take on, and what Christ did is He took on God's mission. God's mission. This is God's mission. His purpose. He is driving all of this. Last week we talked about God's purpose. This is Christ from the very beginning. He says, I must be about my Father's business. When I was growing up, if I wanted to be with my father, I had to go to work with him. Uh, even when he wasn't working, he was cutting grass somewhere, a, a cemetery or a relative's grass. Or I, I had to be a part of what he was doing. Now, 
We have a, a child-centered, politically correct kind of society today. And if I want to uh, uh, get to know my children, I have to, as a father, I have to, to get involved in their life. Find out what's going on in their little world. That's what I'm being told. And there's a difference, isn't there? There's a difference. Do you see the difference? Here's what we do in our Christian life. We, we just be, we're Christians and we, we expect God to, to kind of, here, you find out what's going on in my world. And that's not the way it works. When we go into the family of God, we need to be about the family business. We need to get involved in what God is getting involved in. It's not about us. Do you see the difference? We take on His mission. We don't ask Him to take on our mission. Hey, look, I'm going to do this. Would you bless this? No, you just go to God and say, God, I'm here. What can I do? Let me fit into what you're doing. I just want to be with you. I just want to participate with you. I want to see your power change people's lives. Do you see the difference? I think we just tend to step back. And I just think we, we just kind of wait for God. Well, I wonder what God's going to do. We need to get involved in what He is doing. Jesus said, look, I've come. His whole life was revolved around this, that He was the light of the world. And He just fulfilled that to the, to the perfect degree. He fulfilled that mission. Our world is a dark place. <clears throat> and people need to be delivered from that darkness. And you have a responsibility to shed the light of the gospel on people's lives. But here's what I think. I think we live in a society that, that thinks we're okay. We're not in darkness. And, and sometimes you have to take the first step in, in showing them they're in darkness first. And that's kind of part of the mission today. You, you say, you know what, I know what that 12-step program says, but listen, you could do those 12 steps. You could change some things about your life, but you need a whole new person. You need to change your heart. You need to change your life. So Christians then come along, identifying with Christ. We come along and we have His, um, His business at heart. His, um, His mission. And, and so we're pursuing His mission. And we're shining the light of the gospel on other people's lives. We do that verbally and we do that, uh, physically as well as they see Christ, as we represent Christ on this earth, they see the difference. And then we begin to open our mouth and begin to share. Look, you, you, need, you need Christ. That's the answer to your life. It's not just a 12-step a program. It's not just a, a recovery program. No, you need a person. It's not about a program. It's about a person. Well, I thought I was doing pretty good. I, I've been sober for so many days now. No, listen, you need Christ. You need Christ. You need a Redeemer. When we become a Christian, we sign up for that. You say, well, I didn't know I signed up for that. You, you signed up for that. That's just, that's just what you do. When you're part of the family, you're part of the family business. And the part of the family business is to redeem man for God's glory. God is showing His power. He's wanting to show His glory and and. Christians are a part of that, that, that we are reconciling the world to Christ and we're redeeming people through Jesus Christ. And we really don't have an option. That's just, that's just what we do. That's what we've signed up for. Now, 
the key, the key here is, it's the difference between an employee and a, and the president of the company. Or an employee and the owner of the company. Do you, there's, is there a difference? Let's say you walk into a restaurant and you come in and the employees are nice. And, um, and then the manager, let's just say a manager comes by and he's greeting people at the table. That impresses you. That's a good thing. The managers, man, he's right there. That's, he's got buy-in, doesn't he? He's got risk there. There's a difference. Here's what I think we, we lack sometimes is buy-in. I think we see God's, uh, God's little mission as just, well, I'm an employee of that. Listen, we own it. We've got to own it. And there is a difference. There's a big difference there. We, we, have to, we have to take the responsibility and take the drive and make it happen. You say, well, oh, that's just of the flesh. Listen, this is God's business. He is the one putting that desire in you. He's the one that's going to make it happen, not you. I, I, I haven't seen anyone change a life. I, I certainly can't do it. We can't change a heart. God has to do that. We certainly don't do things out of the flesh. We try to have the right motives. But listen, we've got to just get busy about our Father's business. That's the bottom line. Let me give you one last thing. He identified, Christ identified Himself with the Father. He, um, he took on the Father's mission. But His words were the Father's. And he just makes it so clear. In verse 47, he just says this, If anyone hears my sayings, my sayings, just the what I say, the words, and do not keep them, now this is in the negative, does not keep them, I do not judge him. <laughs> that sounds like a good thing. Well, I'm not judging you. Well, that's a good thing. For I did not come to, to judge the world. Jesus was not judging them at this time. This wasn't the final judgment. This wasn't where he was standing before them and judging them. No, he's come to save the world. And he who rejects uh, me and doesn't receive my sayings has one who judges him, and that's the words. Now listen, we don't have any words. We really don't. We have God's words. We just say God's words. God's Word is what can change people's lives. God's Word is what has the authority. We don't have the authority. So when we approach something, we have a message from God. And here's what God has said uh, in His Word. And I read His Word and it's changed my life. Maybe it can change yours. This is what He says. It's His words. There's much more that I can say about this. Let me just show you one quick verse. We'll end with this. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Deuteronomy chapter 18. Um, in verse 18. says it this way. I will rise up a prophet from among their countrymen like you. It's just a prophet, just like you. And I will put my words in his mouth, and he shall speak to them all that I command him. It shall come about that whoever will not listen to my words, they are his words, just put into that prophet. Listen, that's all we are. 
We take His words. We have to know His word here. And we just speak His words out. And then watch Him change people's lives. It is not our responsibility to change people. He does so through the power of His word. And His word can do that. So often we think of, what do I say? Listen, just say what, say what God has said. That, that there's a warning out there. There's a warning that you're in sin. You've offended a righteous and holy God. And you cannot stand before a righteous and holy God. He will not let you into His heaven. In fact, you are a sinner even now. In fact, He might condemn you right now. You might fall dead now. But the good news, and this is, this is where our part comes in. We share the good news. Look, there's good news. And that's the, that's the great thing about what we do is we come in and we can share good news into people's lives. We have light so that they don't have to live in darkness anymore. And I am so glad, I am so glad someone shared with me that I am not living in darkness now. Christians, Christians have a Christians have a responsibility to represent God here on this earth to the fullest measure. And let's just apply this a little bit, maybe in a little bit different way. You, can, you could say that you have a changed life. Um, and so, you, so you, you're representing God. But if people don't see that changed lives, that changed life, if people don't see that you have a different work ethic, if people don't see that you handle your finances in a stewardship kind of way, you raise your children to fear and honor God in a respectful way, your marriage is special to you, you have a close relationship with your wife, and you're living your life on, built up on godly principles... If people don't see that, and you're just kind of proclaiming something, then that's just shallow. That's just kind of empty. People need to see a true representative. Here's what God can do to you. Listen, here's what God can do for you. I am evidence of a changed life. He's changed my life. I can, I can speak that out. I can say that because it's true. I would be over here, but He made me over here. I would still be walking in darkness, but now I'm in light because of His power at work in my life. He can change my life, or He's changed my life, and He can change your life too. That's our, that's our message. It's just God's words. It's what God has, God has done. Now, we can... We can go and we can just say, you know what? I can't be like God. I can't even be like Christ. I, I just can't rise to that level, so I have nothing to say. But I don't think that's an option for Christians. It's just not an option for us. We need to be about our Father's business. We have to be speaking our Father's words. We could sit back and, and watch the power of God at work in other people's lives when we do so. But if we just sit back and do nothing, we're not being a good representative, are we? Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, you are so kind as to take your enemies 
to take your enemies, Lord, and turn them into your employees. Uh, to, to even more than that, Lord, we're not just employees. We're, we're members of your family. We have been adopted in. In fact, we're to the point that, uh, that you, you have infused your very nature into us and you're changing us to make us like you so that we can more aptly represent you to this ungodly people. Even ungodly vessels of clay, Father, you are, you are working through us and in us. And Lord, that's the way you've designed it. That's the way you want it. So Lord, help us to just get over our fearfulness. Our fear of man and our, our inability. Lord, yes, we're inability. we have inability. We have no way of saving anyone ourselves. But Lord, help us to not stop trying. Help us to, to get into the fight. Like Paul was saying, encouraging Timothy. Lord, help us to, to do our part. Not just sitting back and just waiting for you to, 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 to reveal to us. Lord, you have revealed to us. Let us be a part of what you are doing. Father, I, I am privileged, Lord, to be, be able to speak these words. And Lord, it is a privilege to be able to represent you. Lord, may every Christian in this auditorium have that privilege of representing you in a positive way, in a good way, in a healthy way that reflects your honor for your glory and redeeming men for yourself. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen.